Hi guys, we're your hosts Jillian and Kaylin, and this is Teach Me How to Adult, a podcast on all the things you never learned growing up, like how to buy a home, manage stress, crush your love life, land your dream job, and how to love yourself more, because we could all be a little kinder to ourselves. We're still figuring out how to get our shit together, so we're calling in the experts and the hustlers for some real talk and legit tips on how to live your best life. Adulting isn't easy, but we got you. Hi friends, we are very excited about this episode specifically because as we are all trying to feel our best in January, for a lot of people that also means maybe doing a dry January or just revisiting your relationship with alcohol in general, which is something that you and I are both exploring right now. We sure are, (laughs) out of necessity. (laughs) Out of sheer, sheer goddamn necessity in our 30s. There's been some trial and error. Yeah, right about now, the like the dry January crowd is either really stoked for their first drink in 2023 or just rethinking their relationship with booze in the long run uh, because they realize how freaking great they feel now that they're not poisoning their bodies. And anyone feeling that way, you're not alone. Recent studies have showed that alcohol consumption among Gen Z is on the decline. Also, so, so are high-waisted pants. I'm pretty upset about that. <laughs> not down. Will not be Dude, getting what's... on that trend. <laughs> Stop taking your high-waisted pants away. Like, <laughs> like I can get on board with drinking less, but do not take away my high-waisted pants. But it's true. It's true. When we were doing some research for this episode, we saw there was a Berenberg research report that showed that Gen Z drinks 20% less booze than millennials. And I mean, maybe some of that is that it's so fucking expensive to live these days. True. But I think they're probably just a more health-conscious you know, generation. They're growing up with so much more information and, and access to what the guidelines should be for drinking and yeah it's reflecting in what they're doing and speaking of guidelines so we just had those new canadian guidelines for alcohol get released uh last week everyone is talking about it my friend group is very very rattled and they recommend (laughs) fucking two drinks a week two drinks and so even though we are talking about revisiting your relationship re-examining your relationship with booze I do think two drinks is probably not gonna not gonna work for me (laughs) one of my best friends I went over to her house like the day the guidelines were released and she's like have you seen have you seen what Canada is recommending we're gonna have to move immediately (laughs) and it was so funny (laughs) she's like we're going to Europe we're going to Europe Europe. the only place the toxins won't catch us there Honestly, I feel like I feel like I read something the other day that was like wine produced in France is just better for you. Mm. I don't have the science or the research as to why, but maybe there's something to drinking alcohol in Europe versus here. There might be less, <laughs> um, I don't know, might be less chemicals on like more organic wine being produced there. Who knows? Worth exploring. But to add to the panic on that research, there's also um, a lot of Canadians or certain groups are pushing to put cancer warnings on alcohol now, too, because there's a ton of research coming out. And if you've listened to that Huberman alcohol episode of the correlation between drinking and cancer. Oh, yeah. So it's bad. It's bad. That being said, this episode is not to sway you. Yeah, we're not fear mongering. (laughs) Yeah, we're not fear mongering. Just telling you what we learned because it's hard. But I do think what's what's nice is that there is a big societal shift. Like there's non-alcoholic beverages now. There's a whole industry now dedicated to that. And there's so much resource and articles and podcasts and everything devoted to helping people who are sober curious or just looking to have a more balanced relationship with alcohol so it's not like you're on your own and you're like the weird kid out of all your friends if you're like hey I'm I'm just kind of revisiting this like there's a lot of support for you now it's super normal now I think every friend group has someone now that's you know whether it's for like family planning or just uh you know health or whatever the reason they're they're not drinking anymore so definitely not alone I think also like the Cali sober style has really been adopted around a lot of North America, which is like microdosing psychedelics or smoking weed, but not drinking alcohol. There might be something to it. And there's so many reasons behind these shifts. Like, as you said, I do think that we're in a more wellness focused era right now. And Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. the sheer negative effects on the physical and mental state of us when we drink is pretty concerning. Or it also could be productivity hustle culture. I think that's a big part of it. Hustle culture demands that we do not waste time partying and being hungover and not working on your side hustle in the weekend and like showing up to work hungover and not being productive like people are just stretched so thin trying to make more and more money and do better at work and it's hard to do that when you are hungover and or drunk and then just a huge conversation around mental health I I definitely don't think anyone would argue that booze improves your mental health definitely doesn't but don't get us wrong like it can be maximum fun to have a couple of drinks. And like we have had some of the best nights of our life 
drinking with friends and going out also some of the worst but we'll talk about that later so we, <laughs> we get it we get it honestly this podcast wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for a few glasses of rosé that one time at your house oh. so <laughs> we basically in the beginning could only record if we were oh my god I forgot wine. about that look how far we've come but that's okay <laughs> I'm literally drinking a green juice. So there oh we go. God. Is this, are we old? No, are we I'm kidding. Old? We're mature. We're mature. No, but it, it is like, it's very much in our society. Like people, whether you're drinking, you know, to just unwind from the week or you need a little glass before like a networking event as a social lubricant, like it, it is part of the culture. And again, this yeah. episode is not saying there's anything good or bad about that. It's just re visiting how you like yourself and how you like your relationship with alcohol oh true liking yeah. yourself that's a big one that yeah, is probably I've... my biggest reason I am revisiting alcohol is just because I don't always like myself when I drink and that's me, not great I would like to love myself 100% of the time if not 98 <laughs> that's honestly the big reason why I'm revisiting is I sometimes I don't like who I am or I'm not myself when I drink or mm-hmm. I feel uncomfortable in situations and that's why I drink or in the past have over drank and I didn't like consciously start this journey like it all happened because I got, I got pregnant and then I was breastfeeding and you you shouldn't drink really when you're breastfeeding you, there, I think there's some guidelines there but I was pretty black and white about that for myself and I just started to realize that I would be in these social settings and situations where alcohol would be around and because I couldn't drink I would get a little like nervous before it happened and I'd be like oh is it going to be awkward am I going to be uncomfortable and then I'd go to these events and I'd be fine like everything was okay no one there were some some people that were like oh you can drink it's breastfeeding's fine and I was like you know what it's my body, <laughs> my body, my child. I will decide I missed on that. I the part where you became a doctor. Literally. Ma'am. Thank you. Yeah, there was uh, one family member. Uh, she will not be named. And I think that realization that like, oh, I can still have a good time was like shocking to me, which might sound weird, but I had relied on booze so heavily to make myself become the life of the party, to be outgoing, yeah. to be super fun. Like my motto in life is maximum fun. And a lot of that was probably bred out of the maximum fun that I had while drinking with my friends. It also made me realize that a lot of the, some of the friendships that I had were solely based on partying. Which is normal in your 20s. Oh, yeah. Totally but like, normal. Now we are ancient, ancient 30 something year olds <laughs> and like drinking green juices. You know, <laughs> I still enjoy going out with friends, but like, do I want to have friends that I've literally, their sole purpose is to just like go out and drink with? Probs not. I would feel so shitty. Like, I don't know what booze was doing to my mental health and my mood, but I would feel down yeah. for like, several days like several Mm. days I and then that made me lazy I wouldn't want to exercise my eating habits would be all fucked up because I was just so low I don't want to say I was depressed but I was really low and even if it was just like like you and I having polishing off a bottle of wine and having maximum fun one night like and I love you and I feel safe with you I would still feel low for a few days after like it it didn't matter who I was with it was just how alcohol was affecting me um, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Like I never, that's, I mean, maybe you didn't realize it at the time. I either, probably didn't. I had no idea it had that effect on you. It did. Like I just realized when I went for long periods of time without drinking, I felt my best self, which I'm sure yeah. some people obviously can relate to. But what really scared the shit out of me was when I was listening to the Huberman Lab podcast and he was saying that, and I'm going to paraphrase this and I'm not a doctor, so please listen to the episode. But he was saying that there's kind of two different things you should watch out for with your reaction to alcohol. There's the people who kind of get a little sleepy and a little Mm -hmm, bit tired mm -hmm. and they kind of know when to cut it off. And then there's the people who get extremely energetic and this like surge Mm -hmm. of energy and they're the life of the party and they can keep going and they can keep going. And that was me. And he was basically, that's us, that's (laughs) us, that's us. But what he was saying that scared me was that that type of reaction to alcohol leads to a predisposition to being alcohol dependent or having an alcohol addiction yeah and yeah. honestly I had this like deep chat with Gabe the other day I think if I had continued my drinking habits the way I was drinking in university to now I probably would have a really bad alcohol problem like I drank yeah. so much in university and like blacking yeah. out and partying and like I still got good grades I didn't do anything like too bad like yeah no but it was normal but it was normal. like we were normal yes. drinkers yeah and that's but it nor- was still so much I know I've just realized it's not serving me mentally. I can't get up and do all the shit I want to do at the end of the day. And like now that I have Mia, there's just no time to be hungover. It's just not something that I have time for. When I'm hungover, like I sleep until fucking 3 p.m. So literally 
if you have a baby at home like <laughs> I don't know how people would do that you, you definitely couldn't okay there was one time though however where I got my new job and we were celebrating by just having like a glass or two of champagne I literally had I think two maybe three and was and you hadn't drinking in like a year and a half literally a year and a half and I was projectile vomiting all night I woke up at <laughs> three in the morning throwing up I was so hungover the next day and it was so bad and I think going back to what you were saying about excessive drinking in university being the norm I also think it's also become the societal norm to have a few glasses of wine with dinner and I kind of grew up in a family that did that mm-hmm. and that alcohol was very much part of our, our events and I've seen the effects that that can have on certain family members. And again, it's starting to scare the shit out of me. Just understanding that I probably have that predisposition. And so many of us do. When you like look back through the family trees that everyone has, alcoholism was like the norm a few generations back, essentially, especially amongst men. So, you know, obviously for some people, it's kind of genetically coded to have a predisposition, whereas others, it's just like circumstantial. But it is kind of alarming to realize a lot more of us may have that predisposition than what we realize. Yeah. I'm not never going to drink again. Yeah. So like, where are you at with it? Like, are you only going to really probably drink on special occasions or you're just going to basically only try to drink a few times a year or like you're kind of done with drinking for the next while or like what, what are you feeling? I'm feeling right now that I'm pretty much done for the next while but I will okay I'm gonna be done for the next while except for certain occasions New Year's I'll have a glass of champagne probably birthdays or celebrations I'll have a little toast but I don't think I'm gonna be like doing shots and doing the worm at a Christmas party this year you know (laughs) like as much as I'll miss that I do understand (laughs) why I don't need the booze to break it down on the dance floor anymore guys but yeah I think I'm I'm gonna just try for the next little bit revisiting in that sense and see how it goes but like if you see me have a drink don't at me on Instagram guys I I don't want to label it basically is what I I should say I don't want to label it that's why I like I like how we approach this with like how are you feeling right now about it because how you feel next month could change yeah and you're fucking allowed to change that's true none of us are being like held to this standard of like you made a decision beginning of the year so that has to be your decision for the rest of your life yeah right now you're not digging it in a year you may be like man I fucking miss wine and I would like to have wine one or two nights with dinner and that's my right yeah but all we can do is kind of unjudgingly decide what is best for us right now and then be self-aware enough to revisit it and not judge yourself 100% make a decision beautifully said that's exactly how I'm gonna go through it yeah I'm I'm definitely not gonna quit drinking because I really love wine and cocktails like I love the taste like some people literally just no judgment but some people just drink because they enjoy being drunk yeah I enjoy you're one of the few (laughs) I'm one of the few that like loves a good cocktail does anyone love a bar rail no does anyone have a shot I don't know if you do you're fucking weird (laughs) (laughs) I still want to be able to go out for really nice cocktails enjoy a really nice glass of red wine and yeah I'm not going to pressure myself to stop doing that, but I have found that in my 30s, my relationship with alcohol has not been the best. I mean, it definitely wasn't in my 20s either, but I was just able to like power through because it was the norm yeah. and my hangovers weren't bad and my bounce back was great because I was Ugh. I had youth on my side. Also, I will say it's really hard to figure out what your limits are yeah. as you get older because they change and my limits change so much based on like how much I ate that day and the type of booze you're drinking too the type of booze I'm drinking the speed in which I drink them and so sometimes I'm like I don't understand why I'm so hungover or why I got so fucked up because I didn't really overdo it but maybe Mm. I drank a normal amount of booze in a really short amount of time and so you have to be like really self-aware and like conscious of your consumption to start tracking what the right amount is for you and I haven't been doing that like I haven't been intentional I've just been like whoops I don't know how that happened well it's (laughs) It's because we we, we're not taught at all on how to view this relationship with this like basically poison that we put into our bodies at like 18 or however probably younger let's be real so like we have no idea but now you're on this like self-awareness journey and so the next time you drink you can be like okay that felt good in that situation let's do more of that exactly and so really like the key things that are making me revisit how I drink is that number one I black out really easily which is kind of scary like I used to be my nickname was blackout burner that's not cute maybe (laughs) when you're 21 doing like you know a, a keg stand it's kind of funny 
but right now <laughs> I do not I don't want to be, be black eyed burner. <laughs> yeah. And it's led to oh. some really, really bad nights and tons of anxiety and it's yeah. just incredibly detrimental to me to not be able to remember it creates a lot of anxiety so i feel like my actual reaction to alcohol isn't great mental health wise i mean alcohol is a fucking depressant and so i as you did will feel not normal for days i'll feel like sad if i overdo it or drink the wrong type of alcohol at night i get sad at night like i'll come Mm -hmm. home from a nice night and just cry And so it kind of brings up to the surface a lot of things that I probably repress when I'm sober, which is a different story and could do some work around that. But also it's a depressant. So sometimes you've probably seen all the TikToks of like that trend where like a girl's getting her boyfriend is pouring her a glass of wine and she's like my boyfriend thinking like we're about to get freaky after a glass of (laughs) wine and me about to bring up every single mistake he's made in the past year. Like that was me. I would all of a sudden have one too many drinks and start like dredging up the past and like going down a rabbit hole that wasn't productive. So there's kind of like two parts to it. There's the A, if I drink the wrong way at night, I will, I will spiral. I mean, I had to stop drinking whiskey because Ryan Ginger's were my favorite thing in the world and they were making me pretty sad, pretty moody. So, you know, I've kind of figured out which booze work for me and try to avoid going down the the sadness rabbit hole. Yeah. But when I drink alcohol that works for me, that's when I'm like the happy life of the party, having the best time, super energized. And then the hangovers, I truly have probably one of the worst hangover reactions of anyone I know the next day nausea the exhaustion the crippling anxiety that makes me just like hide in my bed it's so bad and I can't waste days of my life anymore I've got shit to do that's the thing I love what you were saying about the the hustle culture and the productivity there's some like damaging shit there for sure but like it's true like you have shit you've got to do like you are a busy businesswoman you've got shit to do in the morning like we don't have time I don't have days to waste so yeah it's just it's been a matter of taking stock of is this habit doing me more harm than good and the way that I have been drinking for I don't know probably the past decade is officially doing me more harm than good But I do know, and I've seen myself do it, that I can drink in a way that really isn't destructive to me in terms of like, you know, mental health. Obviously, alcohol is poison. It is never good. But (laughs) it is going to be a part of my life. And I know how I can incorporate it and continue to enjoy drinking and like even getting a little tipsy on a celebration Mm -hmm. and having fun nights out with friends. I just need to break up with like overdoing it blacking out the bad hangovers so that I can have a healthy relationship with it that sounds like and I'm generalizing what most of our friends at least are doing and going through like trying to revisit these habitual rituals with booze that they've had since their late teens early 20s and seeing how it now works when they're like full-fledged adults with responsibilities in their 30s like obviously we need to adapt and change the way that we're that we're living and don't feel the pressure that you have to like go black and white and cut all booze because I was kind of feeling that for a little bit just do what feels right yeah and I think that really comes down to listening to your gut which is something yes that I've been fighting against for a while because my my gut has been telling me that getting drunk does not make me happy and it's been telling me that for Mm. a while and I keep ignoring it because it is such a part of the world and the society that like that I live in your gut knows what you need and it probably knows if you kind of feel like you're having you have a problem and I've realized like I don't have a problem with drinking too many times I'm probably only drinking you know once or twice a week but when I do I'm overdoing it if I can get that and revisit that and get that under control I think it's going to change my life yeah it just starts with like being mindful of what you want and making sure that you're actually enjoying alcohol and for the right reasons, which yeah. is huge. Yeah. Because if we actually examine that, a lot of us might not be. And to just be mindful of what your mental state is before you're going into whatever situation you're going to where alcohol is going to be present. I think in order to figure out what you personally want right now, start by asking yourself why you're drinking. You know, is it because you, like Kaylin and I, because I think you love wine too, like love yeah. the taste of wine. Is it because you enjoy celebrating and you you know we went through a bit of a phase which I still really love and might personally do where it was like calling your shots and oh yeah I still love that set goals yeah and like put the goal on a glass of on a bottle of bubbly and like keep them there and it's like oh get signed to a network boom we're gonna pop that bottle and celebrate yes you know hit a million downloads boom we'll pop that bottle and celebrate so I like stuff like that I love the celebration 
Is it a ritual to wind down for the weekend? Is it a crutch to combat social Mm. anxiety? Because I think a lot of us have been there and usually the times I'm looking back in the past few years where I'm so filled with regret at how overly drunk I was, it's because I was combating some anxiety. Yeah, Um, same. And social lubricating myself. Are you trying to like block out stress and unhappiness, which is, you know, historically one of the biggest reasons people have had alcohol problems. Also, you could be like putting yourself in situations that are just intolerable without drinking. If you're always going out with that group of friends that stresses you out or goes to bars that you hate and you're just like, in order to get through this, I'm going to need to be drunk. Otherwise, I'm going to hate every minute of this. Totally. Or maybe you're doing it because everyone around you does and it's really awkward not to. And that's also very normal. No judgment. But it's just important to figure out like, why are you drinking? And is it veering to the side of like this is a positive thing that I enjoy that's not destructive or is it veering to the side of like this is masking a problem or it's becoming a problem yeah and I think asking yourselves those questions will also help you figure out what your triggers are like those things that cause you to overdrink and feel those shitty feelings in the first place and I know I, I said this before but for me it was like certain people like actual human beings in my life that I didn't feel good with sober or drunk that would cause me yeah. to overdrink. I also used to personally overdrink in social settings where I didn't know a lot of people and I felt awkward mm-hmm. and uncomfortable because booze with me makes me like the life of the party. I'm super outgoing. I could really yeah. f- work a room. So I would tend to overdrink in those situations, but not to the point where like anyone would be like, oh, she's messy. Like I would be, I would still like have yeah. my shit together, which is also why I'm probably predispositioned to not have a good relationship with booze, but it still led to me feeling shitty the next day and anxious. And I'm like you, every time I overdrank to a point, I would black out and I wouldn't remember anything. Yeah. And even if I didn't do anything bad, I would still have so much anxiety that I did. Something happened. It's yeah. not good to the not know. The stories we can invent in oh our minds my because you don't know. Yeah, it's not it's good. Really bad. So those triggers are going to help hopefully you realize when you should probably cap it and are, is it for an emotional reason like I feel like it's time to maybe deal with the root cause and not just like drink my way through it like that's yeah. that would be more productive in changing my life 100% I feel like your 30s is the decade where you're just like I'm gonna revisit absolutely everything I'm doing and just optimize my life and all of that will lead to you being able to like decide your limits and your why. It's all about really just like trusting yourself and how you feel in the moment and and then figuring out the why behind it to help keep you on track. Because as we know, that's the basics 101 of goal setting is figuring out the why and that mm-hmm. will keep driving you to implementing that goal. So for me, a lot of it has to do with, with my mental health and lots of podcasts are championing sobriety right now a lot of people I know did start experimenting with sobriety just based off of the Huberman lab podcast that we've been referencing yeah, it's so good. I listened to it and I generally tend to like not be too affected by I know this is bad but Science. it's really hard to <laughs> it's just when you're young it's really hard to take seriously scary physical health claims like I know. yes it, I know. it ups rates of cancer and yes it you know impairs your memory in the long run and all of these things but in the short term it's hard to like actualize that information yeah whereas the short-term disruption on my mental health like how much it increases my anxiety that is like palpable I can act on that like that's really clear to me so normally I just can't in internalize and act upon like long term this might happen to you studies show I'm like oh, yeah well, fuck it something's gonna kill me but <laughs> something's gonna get it us was one really day folks. <laughs> but that episode on Huberman was really alarming because even though I obviously knew that alcohol is is toxic mm-hmm. to hear the process of how you literally poison yourself at a cellular level yeah it's hard to like just turn around and be like yay <laughs> that's pretty scary you were poisoning yourself <laughs> and while I will continue to do so I'm probably going to do it less because it's really you're, because you're more aware of it yeah yeah you at least know that like getting drunk is literally because you have poisoned yourself and it's so such a big thing in society right now to talk about like your gut and like your gut microbiome dude Drinking yeah. fucks with your it gut fucks so it right much. up. And your gut affects your mental health, your immune system. It is literally where, like the powerhouse of your entire body and drinking absolutely wipes it out. Like yeah. you have all of these people being like, oh, I don't want to take antibiotics because like it's going to fuck I up know. my gut microbiome. <laughs> like, I'm like, honey, you I'll did chug. tequila shots last night. <laughs> Are you good? <laughs> oh 
my god it's so true it's so true and then this one was also really alarming like I am really worried about like memory issues and stuff in the future I already mm. have a bad memory I have a history of Alzheimer's in my family yeah. and then this was kind of jarring to me so you know how alcohol like lowers your inhibitions in the moment and you're like yes. okay fair enough that's why most of us do it but in the long term studies show that the more you drink and the more often yeah. then there's changes in the circuits in your brain that underlie habituate and impulsive behavior like it AKA rewires if you. you're it rewires you to be more impulsive which that's not great I know that's that's basically the line that I heard that really scared me when I was listening to it. But what's what is yeah. interesting, though, is I remember him saying that, like, taking a a period of sobriety. And again, I'm paraphrasing taking a period of sobriety actually helps to, like, repair. He also says if you have basically the guidelines have just been released, like a few drinks a month, it's not going to fuck you up. This is more for habitual constant drinking. If you do want to, you know, continue to have alcohol as part of your life going forward, as as I would like, it can be really key to just figure out what kind of booze works for you. So yep. that involves like examining how you react to them. So I saw whiskey, not great for me. I need to stop that. Gin, bubbly, certain wines, those result in a much more positive, a positive me and a better next day for me. And then try to figure out like that sweet spot of how many until you're over the edge. Like, mm -hmm. But that's going to require the same way we put so much energy into figuring out like how much sleep we need, like yeah. our meal time, what exercise we love. Imagine we applied that to our drinking and actually took the time and the intentionality to figure out what is my sweet spot of like healthy alcohol from from my mind and for how I react. Like if, if anything, whoever's listening to this and wants to experiment, just like the next time you go out, just think about what you're doing and it not not label it good or bad just be aware and like write down how it makes you feel then the next day and just go on this self-awareness yeah. journey with alcohol and there's like a really interesting research coming out about just like different ways to hack alcohol and like how you're drinking it and how like these effects for example researchers from northern kentucky university found that mixing alcohol with diet beverages this really surprised me it actually increases the blood alcohol concentration compared to regular like sugar-based like coke versus diet coke so and that's weird. because the effects of alcohol might be mitigated if it's consumed with sugar because that slows down the absorption of alcohol mm. by your body probably marginally but that's what this research has found i mean on the flip side i do find that sugary drinks make me have a worse hangover oh my god so it's Smear a bit not of give Smear and take. Not ice. <laughs> see you later oh my remember god. those woof <laughs> <laughs> It's worth exploring these different kind of hacks that are out, but really, whatever your drink of choice is, and a groany, it can really, which mine is, a no groany. So good. Um, it can really come down to like how you drink rather than what you drink too. So it might yeah. just be time to like, if I'm going to go out and drink, spend the money on nicer booze that I sip rather than like pounding back shots and bar rails. That's, we're breaking up with that. That that has left the chat. I think that was probably my first big girl lesson was like, oh, we can't do shots past the age of 25 anymore, Kaylin. For the most part, like I wouldn't do shots anymore every time I went out. But that used to be a thing. Yeah. Please don't buy me a shot. <laughs> I appreciate you, but don't do it. I don't want the shot. I, don't I cannot it. take it. But then I will because I'll feel obligated. Yes. And then like this year, my my birthday was brutal because I was mm. so hungover. It was just ruined. I had so much anxiety. I felt depressed. It hit me hard. I could have mitigated that by just drinking less the night before and not having bar rails and shots. You live and you learn. You might learn 3,000 times. Yep. But 3,001 will be the time I learn. So once you know all of that and you're deciding that you're going to start this sort of self-awareness alcohol journey, we think a really key part to this is setting clear boundaries with yourself and with others. So mm -hmm. what that looks like is maybe before events, just checking in, like we've been saying, and just decide on how much you think you want to drink and what your limits are going to be for that specific event. That is just something you can do on your own. You don't need to involve other people in it unless you feel it's best to communicate. And that's where this next part comes into play. Being honest with your friends and family about this journey that you're on. That's your choice. You do not have to feel obligated to tell anybody anything at any point if you're changing something in your life. You really don't. But I have had to do that, obviously, with this this journey that I've been on. And yeah. it's usually been met with like total understanding and not a problem at all. And I find it helps alleviate my anxiety when I just nip it in the butt because I had friends that were going to come out and visit me. And I was like, oh, God, are they going to be mad that we're not going to like go have a bender? And when I told them, they were like, oh, no problem. All good. 
but I had been stressing for like several weeks about like delaying telling them because I was like, oh, maybe they won't want to come. But like, that's crazy. Like, what kind of friends would I have if they wouldn't want to come visit me just because I'm not drinking as much as I used to? And as the friend who would be visiting and who is still a drinker, I would way prefer to know because it's really awkward. Like I had a friend visit a few months ago and I didn't know that she wasn't drinking. Mm. And she like invited me out with some friends. I got ready. I was dressed up. I was ready for a (laughs) night out and then showed up and it was like the most cash, cash (laughs) dinner. They were like going home to watch a movie after. So wholesome. No one drank. And I was like, you're in like full glam. (laughs) No, I was ready to play. And I was so, I love you. It was jarring. No, but you, I just didn't. You know. didn't expect it. And yeah. so no one owes me an explanation, obviously. But I just wish I'd known in advance because I would have shown up way more chill, and yeah. I wouldn't have like had an expectation of like, oh, we're gonna go out after, and this is our night. But you're helping me understand like what to expect and how to plan accordingly so that there's no misunderstanding or disappointment people just want to know that they're on the same page and on the flip side let's say you were more sober curious and you were just trying to like not have a wild night but you didn't communicate that to your friend who blocked off the entire night for you they might have been upset if you came and you're like hey i'm just doing dinner i'm just gonna like head home after this like they would have been like oh yeah like i could have made plans so it's just well that's exactly it i was like oh i should have made plans to go out after because if we're meeting at seven for dinner and everyone's going home at like 9 30 like there's a whole night ahead but yeah yeah here i I am going home in my glam (laughs) so yeah no i totally agree well i hope you got some good selfies out of it at least i didn't damn it waste of makeup waste of makeup But another good thing about sharing with your friends what your boundaries are with booze is it also helps set the stage for things like splitting the bill if you're going Mm. out for like a group dinner or or group brunch, whatever it is. Because if everyone knows you're not drinking, then they're not going to expect to split the possibly hundreds of dollars of booze that was drank at the table, which is fair. And I think we should also talk about the realities of dealing with social pressure because Mm -hmm. that might be the hardest part of all of this. And I think that was really hard for me too with coming up with like what my new relationship with alcohol is going to be like because I don't want to miss out on fun occasions with friends and I don't want people to think that they can't invite me out to do things. But obviously, if you're not comfortable drinking, it all kind of starts with you deciding that you're not going to do it and you're not going to feel pressured to do it. Some ways that you can do that that I've tried doing that have been helpful is just quite literally removing myself from the situation and not going if I know I won't be able to make that decision. And to be honest, like some things aren't going to be fun when you're sober. So like I'm not going to hit the club (laughs) with my friends on a month or a night where I decide I'm not going to be drinking or I'm only going to have one drink. That's not fucking right. fun. There is right. nothing worse than being in a disgusting, crowded room full of drunk people. It is person- <laughs> It is truly hell, which is why like, it's a sick cycle because that's also why we all drink so much when we go out because we drink so much to, to tolerate all the other the people situation. who drink so much. And they're yes. so annoying. And the more that you drink, the less annoying it is because your senses are literally dulled and muted. And we yeah. all do it and perpetuate it to each other and then if you show up and you're not fucked up you're like oh my god what is wrong with these people (laughs) I can think of so many situations where I've either like showed up to a pre late or was like oh I'll just meet you at the bar instead and then I get there and I'm like y'all are fucked and then I'm like oh my god I have to I have to catch up and then the night escalates real fast the catch up so listen there's gonna be some things you won't want to do and that is okay you don't need to do them But you can still show up at certain events and have maximum fun while you're sober. I know it seems weird and maybe the first few times you'll be like, oh, I don't love this. But eventually you will find a way to still be yourself in those environments. So don't be afraid to just like test it. And every place has has mocktails now. So like that's a whole other experience. Like you can just get such good mocktails. There's good shit out there now. Another thing you can do, and you brought up driving to the event so you don't drink as much, you could just offer to be the DD for everybody mm-hmm. that night, which like A, nobody's like going to peer pressure a DD. Yeah. They're going to be like, you're <laughs> <Exactly>. a saint. <laughs> Bless you. And yeah, it just forces you to not drink. You look like a hero. Your friends will love and respect you. And <laughs> no matter what, you're, you're, you're going to come out on top at the end of the night. You could also just leave before people get really, really wasted. Like yeah. probably anything beyond 2 a.m. is probably a good time to exit stage, right? But That's a uh, good call. Because the thing is, like, if you're not drinking and it's your friend's birthday, you're going to be pretty shitty if you just don't show up. Like, you still have to show up to things. Yeah, and, you like, got to go. Bachelorette parties and stuff. Like, you're, there's going to be a lot of drinking. You still got to go. But what you can do is, A, like, show up and still 
still have fun. Like if people are only going to probably pressure you if you're like sitting there and I'm not saying any, nothing justifies pressuring someone like you should not pressure people. But I think why we pressure people is we're really worried a lot of the time that they're not having fun and we start to become really self-conscious of it. It's like, well, this person is sitting here not drinking and I don't think they're having fun and maybe I'm obnoxious and maybe like if I just get them to drink, then like everyone will loosen up and they'll have more fun. And you know, it's, it's a toxic cycle and we just need to stop doing it. But in general, if you're like actually trying to be engaged and have fun and if everyone's dancing dance and chatting and people aren't going to notice they're not going to care I think it's more so like if you show up kind of pissed off because you don't want to be there you're not drinking so you're not having fun that's maybe when it starts to invite some people being like well just have a drink I would probably just leave when people start to get to that like blackout phase because they won't remember that you left and you showed up you did your due diligence you did your part yeah yeah Costanza leave on a high note (laughs) Yeah, and that kind of goes to my next point of modeling the behavior you also want your friends to give you. So like don't, when you're going out, to your point, don't be all like Debbie Downer and like pissed off in the corner because you're not drinking and judging them for drinking. Just be supportive of everybody's decisions. And then they won't judge you too from refraining. So you really don't need to feel guilty for changing your lifestyle and feeling like it's going to impact your relationships. Just go out and be yourself and, and give it a try you don't need to feel guilty and there there shouldn't yeah. be judgment and I think I felt that when I had a friend you know visiting as I was talking about before who, mm-hmm. who didn't drink and I'd arrived and ordered a drink and then I was like oh shit am I like an asshole right now I'm the only one that's drinking and I wanted a cocktail and so I got a cocktail and it was Nothing a place that had that. good cocktails but then I felt really awkward being the only one that was having a drink and then I started to feel weird about it and I just I got all in my head and then I was like wait if someone at the table was vegetarian would I not eat meat true no I would eat meat of course I would eat meat and if someone at the table was like pregnant I wouldn't be like oh I'm not allowed to drink because they can't drink yeah no I wouldn't do that so then I'm like no no unless someone is going through like a you know like in AA and going through recovery and they're like yeah yeah I'm fragile I really can't be around any substances right now so if we're gonna hang out please don't that's a different story honor that respect that like that is someone who is kind of in crisis and needs has set a boundary with you support but if this is like everyone is just choosing their own adventure you choose yours and you know do you I like that that's kind of how how this we we should all approach this it's a choose your own adventure of the yeah. next event that you're going to that has booze in it. Exactly. And the other thing that I think we should talk about is it is hard when your friends hit different phases of their lives. And so I think the best thing that you can do is bring your friends on the journey with you. Like any yes. of the struggles that I've had with friends and family and partners and loved ones and heard you know, from them who are struggling with this as well is that they feel like they're being left behind or they feel like, wait, well, we always used to like go out for drinks or we always used to be each other's Friday night like buddies or we always used to bring man each other or, you know, whatever it is. Or for couples, like we always have our Friday night bottle of wine. Like what are we going to do now? So there becomes this crisis when people close to you feel like, wait, this person has suddenly changed. I don't know what's going on. How do I still fit in their life? Maybe they're feeling guilty that they're not keeping pace with the changes you're making or maybe they feel like they're behind so it is normal like try to give everyone whether you're the person setting the boundary or whether you're on the receiving end a bit of empathy as to what they're going through because I think especially in our 30s some of us are like single and mingling and some of us are having babies we're all at such like literally we are the case study of this literally yeah we're different different areas yeah different areas (laughs) and so we have to like be open to the fact that we're all in different spots in our lives more than ever right now. Like university, yeah. you're all literally at the exact same spot, pretty much. Yeah. Doing the exact same thing. And that's why thing. you all are kind of doing the same. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. now we're not. So I think people can sometimes react a bit oddly when they're like losing that ritual. Um, yeah. I can't remember if it was Mel Robbins, someone I was listening to their podcast, their husband was stopping drinking and he was like no more it was mel robbins on call her daddy yes yes and she was like i'm not gonna he's not gonna do any more like drinks before dinner or like drinks after work and she was really struggling with it because then she was sitting there drinking by herself feeling like a piece of shit because she used to drink with him and she was just like well what the fuck like now i feel bad about myself and like why can't you drink with me and like you were my buddy and so it's natural to have a bit of a selfish reaction when people change and you're like shit I'm left behind where does that leave me with this habit that I have that I want to keep going on so I think Mm -hmm. we just 
the only recommendation I have is be empathetic to each other. Bring your friends along for the ride. Don't just be like, yeah. mm, no, I'm not feeling it anymore. I'm not going to be like drinking with you. Explain why so that they can like be a cheerleader for you. And it's not yeah. about over explaining yourself with the people you really, really love to justify. It's more so like when my friends share with me like, hey, I'm on a health journey right now. I've had a health scare or my mental health has been really, really bad or I'm just, I have this goal and I can't do it if I continue to engage in these behaviors. And I'm like, dude, yes, get it. I'm so excited for you. But if people are just like, yeah, no, I'm not going to come out with you for dinners or drinks anymore. It's alarming. It's It's jarring. Yeah, it's jarring. And like, I've had that happen in a friendship where one of my friends didn't want to like partake in certain activities. And I was like really kind of holding it against her and giving her a bit of a hard time. And I had Mm. no idea that it was because she had certain goals that this didn't align with. And when I found that out, I was like, man, I'm so glad I know. I wish I'd known. I didn't know. I thought you were just being difficult, but you're not. You're just trying to like achieve this goal that you have that doesn't align with some shit that we're doing. So thank you for telling me. Now I can cheer you on. So bring people along. And if you're changing things up, try to offer to them that you want to do other things to replace that so like if you're in a couple and one you know you live together and you're like hey I don't want to do the glass of wine at 5 p.m like we always do anymore you're welcome to do it I don't want to do it anymore but instead what if we did like a little cheese board that I can have and like that's our new ritual or like what if instead we go for a walk and like you can bring a tumbler of wine and I'll just have my walk like let's replace it with a new ritual and with your friends okay, I'm not going to be going clubbing with you anymore, but I would love to do a different activity. What would you love to do on a Friday night instead? So I think that helps us not feel left behind when our friends are making a positive change for themselves because we can see there's still a place for me. Yeah, I think it's really, really key that if you are going through some sort of change and it's going to alter your relationships with people, providing alternatives or context is like the least you can do. And again, yeah. it's not over explaining yourself, but it's just showing them like, here's how we can we can show up in this new chapter that I that I'm in. And it kind of it's kind of the same thing as if you're like trying to save money and all your friends are like, oh, let's go to this expensive restaurant. Like if you're just open and you're yeah. like, hey, guys, I'm on a tight budget. Can I meet you afterwards for a drink? Or can we go somewhere a little cheaper? They're not going to be like, yeah. fuck you. They'll be like, yeah. oh, no problem. It's just, it's communication. Whereas if you just so- like quietly stop, start rejecting all of their invitations, they're going right. to be like, well, what fuck this fuck? person. They don't want to have a friendship anymore. So, And there's so many different things that you can do that don't necessarily involve drinking. Yeah, well, I, okay, especially in Canadian winters, it's really hard to figure out things to do that aren't related to drinking on weekends because yeah. there's like nothing it's- to do but be cold, <laughs> eat food, and drink. There's just nothing else. That's it. <laughs> it's brutal. So I've started this like note in my in my phone of non-alcoholic activities I can do in the city. And even though we, I live in Toronto, which is like obviously there's so much going on, I do think post-COVID there isn't as much stuff as there used to be. Like I'm struggling to find activities sometimes. But yeah. I've found some things I really love and I know that 25 year old Jill would just smack me in the face right now but like <laughs> a killer EDM spin class on a Friday night I think I think it's better than clubbing hot take I that think all the retired so ravers are now going to these like epic candlelit dark room hardcore beats spin classes and having like epic nights. I this is so embarrassing and this maybe it's not maybe we should just embrace this period of life i literally did jess king's new year's eve jess king experience on uh peloton which is her new year's eve ride where she was so pregnant and was wearing this epic bodysuit with her belly cut out and i did it on new year's and that is how i celebrated it i literally rode in on new year's just fucking like like at midnight at midnight whoa she did it she timed it so you would start 20 minutes before midnight and that there'd be a countdown in it and it was the most enjoyable new year's i've had in a very long time i had no idea it was oh really God, that's, fun that's really nice because gabe passed out and i was like well fuck this i'm not gonna oh, celebrate gabe by myself <laughs> no he didn't gabe didn't make it till he midnight did. stop no I'm he dying. never does yeah i'm dying it is it's a, a good great time. time it gets the endorphins going happy people don't kill their husbands they don't it's true <laughs> it's true they do not and i mean yeah there's lots of other things that you can do you can do like a really nice on nights where i've actually just had nothing to do and i'm feeling very lonely like i've gone to a really nice like yoga or breathing meditation class and you're just with like good people and you've got good vibes 
yeah. lots of movie nights in and out that's that's my go-to getting together with friends family your partner and cooking and making mocktails yeah. is so nice I've been saving like this Instagram folder on my phone of delicious looking mocktails because I'm like I deserve something to drink that's not just coffee or alcohol and lots of entertainment like when you go to live entertainment you don't need to have a drink sure you can have a drink but you're focusing on the entertainment like I can when I go to see plays in theater I don't drink and like I regret some of the concerts I've gone to where I drank a lot like I went to Britney Spears and I don't remember that I went to Britney Spears like that's sad damn it's a lot of money it's Britney bitch and I forget it it's fucking Britney (laughs) bitch (laughs) or comedy shows you don't need to be drunk to so laugh. Fun. In fact, you know what? You'll probably get more of the jokes if you're sober. So <laughs> lots of lots of fun things. And then even what you're saying about a nice night in with your bubble, I'm really having a lot of FOMO about it. So I'm making it happen. I'm really into these theme nights that people are doing, like the PowerPoint parties. Next weekend, we're doing a Harry Potter night where we all yes. bring like a, a dish or a snack or something that's Harry Potter inspired. And we're going to marathon the movies and we're going to like, pro- I'm probably going to dress up because HP is life. Oh my um, gosh, this is so fun. Is it weird if I do this too? Just Gabe and I? <laughs> no, no. But also make some friends and bring them. It's so fun. Yeah, I need so friends though. I need fr- friends. Well, Kaylin is putting it out into the universe. Looking. Anybody want to hang? He's in Vancouver. <laughs> she is ISO. Some friends that want to do things that aren't revolving around getting drunk. So hit her up. Love it. Message me. As long Totes. as you're not weird. I'm down. <laughs> Something weird to say? I don't know. And it's even just a great time to like exercise your hobbies. They yeah. do like evening pottery classes, which I'm really, really into. I mean, I say I'm into. I've never done it before, but I really want to start going. The idea I do of too. Looks so fun. Could you just move home and we can do it together? Okay. Please? Can we well, stop? We'll this plan whole a pottery thing? making weekend a and we'll just go. Weekend? That's so cute. They do paint we'll do nights it. and you can drink, but you don't have to drink. Like doing these like nice wellness hobbies, like the cold plunge saunas, all that. There's a lot to do, and there's like a big wellness culture right now looking for wholesome things to do and I feel like your friends would appreciate these alternatives like even if they're not saying it they're all probably sick of going to the same bars I'm bored of it and like it's I keep dragging myself to bars and being like this will be fun and then I'm there and I'm like this fucking sucks this sucks sucks. (laughs) and it's hard to I bet a lot of us right now are in this stage of like adulthood where you're still doing the things that you used to find fun for fun, but you're not finding them fun anymore, but you haven't hit that next milestone of like, I'm not staying in with kids yet. And yeah, I don't know. I don't want to work every minute of the day. So I don't want to stay home all weekend and work. Like I want to go do things, but I don't know what those things are. I'm figuring them out because I've outgrown what used to be fun for me. And I'm sure there's other people that are feeling that way too. We wanted to carve out a portion to talk about hangovers because they're fucking brutal and it's half the battle of you know dealing with your relationship with alcohol so truly the bane of my existence I think like I could just continue to drink the way I've always drank if I didn't get these hangovers I can't do it oh same same but we did some research um both personally (laughs) through life and trial and error (laughs) and then also from the internet um of what could potentially help offset that that hangover and just help you recover a little faster so you're welcome number we really put ourselves out there for this (laughs) yeah you're fucking welcome sacrifice um number one water like hydration is key we all know that alcohol is extremely dehydrating but like the number one thing that will truly help you in the morning is reaching for water versus coffee which is what I tend to reach for because I'm like oh yeah I need to function so water first and thing. water between drinks all my friends who drink yes. a glass of water for every single drink that they have have less less hangovers and yeah since we're talking about like before you even drink eating is crucial and we are so guilty of this you and I oh, of not yeah. eating before we go out and I dumbest can, thing we it's can do. so bad every single time I know how it's gonna end but still I'm like oh, I'll just eat when I get there I'll have a little bite of cheese like no it's no no so you bad. need a meal you gotta eat another thing is that certain liquor and types of alcohol just literally hits different in terms mm-hmm. of a hangover so clear liquors are more forgiving because darker liquors contain more toxic compounds which are called congeners like methanol so they actually make your hangover worse because say goodbye to like spiced sugary rum goodbye yeah that's just gone so try to stick to clear liquors so if you do wake up in the morning and you've got a horrible horrible hangover another key thing is eating carbs so drinking lowers your blood sugar levels so theoretically some of the exhaustions and headaches of a hangover are likely because the brain is working without enough of its main fuel so getting some carbs in your system is really going to help 
And Abby Sharp, the dietitian from our latest episode, who is the best, shared that eggs are actually a good source of cysteine, which is an amino acid that binds to like the toxic substance that is released from alcohol and can actually help eliminate it and remove those toxins from the body. Absolutely. And speaking of your stomach and what you put in it, uh, (laughs) Dr. Huberman in that episode on alcohol was also talking about supporting gut health and reducing yeah. inflammation after drinking because you're doing you're doing a number on your gut when you drink so he recommends two to four servings of low sugar fermented foods a day um, and that can be like kimchi sauerkraut kefir active bacteria yogurt and that just kind of improves the gut microbiome and hopefully it does something we'll see I, I don't see myself having four servings of sauerkraut anytime sauerkraut soon, I know it like, sounds so rough it is but it helps it is what it is. We're just giving you the information and you, you decide what to do with it. I do have a decent amount of yogurt. So like that could be my journey. And then, you know, supplements, like whether it's placebo or not, I love a good supplement to make me feel like I am mm-hmm. have my shit together. I mean, there's tons of supplements that are, are recommended to help balance you out, especially if you are drinking consistently. But first and foremost, B complex vitamins are definitely recommended because those are especially vulnerable to alcohol use. So these are essential to mental and emotional well-being, which probably mm. speaks to why I'm emotionally not well after I drink too much. So B vitamins, here we go. We're depleted. Yeah. Depleted as fuck. And then when it comes to pain relievers, which we all have to reach for some mornings that are just especially rough, the recommendations are to go for like aspirin, ibuprofen, Motrin, but not Tylenol because acetaminophen, which is Tylenol, can worsen the alcohol's toxic effects on your liver. And then anecdotally, I'm sure we've all heard the evidence that you know, alcohol really impairs your sleep and you don't get mm-hmm. as much REM cycle sleep. And if you've had a big night out, you probably also didn't get to sleep till like 3 a.m. So sleep in general gets absolutely fucked by drinking too much. I will say I have tried to sleep my way through entire days of hangovers because they're just so terrible. And yeah. while you do need to catch up on sleep, it's not going to happen in one day. It's going to be like the sleep hygiene that you practice for days and days after And at some point, like you need to get out of bed that day because wallowing in your bed the entire day, I can confirm after many, many case studies, it doesn't help. (laughs) Does not help. Getting outside, getting air, getting liquids, moving my body would help me out of the the deep dark hole faster than just staying in bed the entire day. Man, I feel like we just covered so much and this has been really, really helpful in and and like allowing us to re-examine our goals what we want out of alcohol we've been talking about this for a long time and now I feel like this was the actualization process it was like the digging deep and being like we're officially putting into action I mean you already have been doing this but the why and the how and the what this means for us wherever you guys are at just stay true to what your your gut's telling you and what's healthy and positive for you but also know that like you get to make the rules and they can change anytime as long as they're, you know, as long as they're serving you. So cheers to booze or not booze. And yeah. we hope this helps you. <laughs> and uh, let us know what you guys are doing right now. Business as usual. If you're cutting back, if you're like, yeah. fuck booze, we, uh, we want to know, know what the people are doing. Good luck, friends. Cheers. <laughs> So there you have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard today, it would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and leave a comment or a rating. And we'd love it if you would share this with your friends by screenshotting the episode and sharing it on social by tagging at Teach Me How to Adult Podcast and DM us with any topics or guests you'd like to hear on the show. See you next time. Bye. Bye!